Luck on Sunday, proudly sponsored by Albasti Ecruel Dubai. Right, welcome back. Now, this week's talking points. David Yates and James Savage have rejoined uh, me and Warren Greatrex, and we'll start with um, the news that broke earlier this week that rocked the sport, which is that the parent company of Vertum, the sponsor of the Vertum Futurity, and founded by prominent racehorse owner John Dance, uh, had gone into special administration at the request of the Financial Conduct Authority and granted that special administration by the High Court. There was a 48-year-old man also arrested in connection with that by uh, Northumbria Police earlier in the week. The BHA say they're aware of this, but they are waiting instruction as to whether any action should be taken. Dave, this is um, a significant concern. Yeah, of course it is. Um, the the Vertum name is, is very well known now to... Uh, people in horse racing, obviously, they've um, they've sponsored the Verton Futurity, the, the the Group One race at Doncaster, that's been a real uh, springboard for classic colts over the last few decades uh, since 2018. Uh, they also sponsor the Ida Chase. John Dance's colours are very familiar under both codes. They were carried into second place by Brave Man's Game in the Cheltenham Gold Cup last month, but he's probably better known for his exploits on the flat. Lawrence was a, a seven-time Group 1 winning filly uh, for Carl Burke. Um, so this is very worrying. The, the, the news broke on uh, Thursday morning. There was a lot of uh, activity on social media to suggest that um, a big story was on the way. There was... Um, uh, a statement by the Financial Conduct Authority, it revealed that interim managers had taken uh, control of WealthTech, which mm, is the parent, of, company. the parent company, uh, three names, WealthTech, uh, Malik Melville and uh, Vertum Futurity, uh, sorry, Vertum Asset Management. Uh, it says that the FCA has ordered the firm to immediately cease carry on all carrying on all regulated activities following serious regulatory and operational issues coming to light. Obviously, a, a, um, a, a, a huge investor also in, in James Horton's stable mm. in Midlam. I think John Dance has 45 thoroughbreds yeah. there. And uh, no comment has been made by John Dance at this point. I and mean, the business seems to be carrying on as, as normal at, at James Horton's base. James, obviously, James, you know very well because he was an assistant to to Sir Michael Stout. Um, have you had any contact with him? No, I haven't. I don't think he needs me to contact him. I think he's, it's probably a difficult time for him, so let's just hope it all resolves itself yeah. and he's allowed to train his racehorses. Yeah, but obviously at times like this, you know, the, the sport needs to be concerned for, for, the, for the workforce. Um, more on that, I'm sure, will follow over the next few weeks. Uh, Scott Benson is the Conservative MP who was stung by a Times investigative sting this week. But Dave, why does this have... Um, significance for betting and horse racing, this particular thing? Well, in that sense, I suppose it's, it's sort of guilt by association, if you like. Um, let's just go through the story. It's one of those absolute classic newspaper stings that we've seen, again, over decades, uh, secret filming. I think there's a uh, drinking tea at a table with Scott Benton um, making... Uh, promises to, to two reporters who were um, posing as uh, as investors from the gambling industry. Mm -hmm. um, Scott Benton, uh, th there was talk of, of a payment of £4,000 to, uh, to, to represent 
this company's interests. Uh, he said that he could call on favours uh, with parliamentary colleagues. He said that he could bear influence on ministers. I think he also said that he could um, leak the contents of the white paper. More of which in a moment. Um, if, yeah. um, if needs be. Um, the whip has been suspended from uh, Scott Benton. But I suppose if we take this away from the, the personal issues of, you know, one of Boris Johnson's long-time allies uh, would appear to have been caught with his trousers down. But it's a question, really, of how this impacts on, as you say, the, the betting industry and horse racing as a whole. It's not that long ago, was it, last week, that there was the 19.2 million pound fine for uh, William Hill with not taking care of its customers and not taking the, the correct procedures uh, to, to combat money laundering. And we are linked, of course, with the gambling industry. Um, if horse racing has done nothing wrong in the, and, and has nothing to do with this uh, expose of Scott Benton, but in the eyes of government, in the eyes of the Gambling Commission, we we have some of that uh, reflected, well, not glory, vain glory, is that the right word? But we, we have some of that. Um, so you think, you think you, hang on, you think that horse racing is somehow tarnished by this because of its association with the big bookmakers, and even though this wasn't the gambling industry, it was reporters posing as the gambling industry, therefore, as we come up to the publication of the white paper, uh, the betting industry and all its associates are tarnished by Scott Benton, who is also well, chair of the betting and gaming uh, all-party parliamentary I think, group. I think uh, there is definitely a, a sense of a domino effect. If, um, if through Scott Benton's conduct, if, if government feels that, um, that the gambling industry is behaving badly... That, that his conduct reflects negatively upon them, then the regulations that follow as a result yes. of that will impact uh, and, and, and tighter restrictions, as it, it almost in a punitive sense, will then have a knock-on effect on the finances though, of horse racing. Though speaking of the leak of the white paper as we move on, um, the, the Sun published what they believe to be a pretty comprehensive leak of the Gambling Review white paper earlier this week. And within that was a paragraph which included what appeared to be an allusion to reform of the horse race betting levy. Yes, that's right. Well, we, we know that levy reform is, is on the way. I think that it was, um, uh, it, it was due to take place in uh, 2024. Well, it was, it, was due to be, it was due to be put on the table in 2024. Put, put, on, the table, sorry, wasn't it? put yeah. on the table in 2024. Um, the, the leaked report from The Sun this week is that levy reform will be part of the white paper. So obviously that will bring it uh, significantly forward in, in, in terms of time. Um, a couple of other things that were in there too. Um, the, the Sun report said, I'm quoting, um, horse racing faces higher taxes under a new... Sorry, betting on horse racing faces uh, higher taxes under a new review to ensure uh, proper funding for the sport. Um, a couple of other things with regard to uh, taxes uh, on the betting industry to uh, protect problem gamblers. So um, 
those are all things that are um, uh, that are on the table. That the um, the paper quoted uh, Culture Secretary Lucy Fraser again. I'm uh, reading this from my notes as having told colleagues our proposals are targeted to protect people who are at risk of addiction, catastrophic loss, and harm with minimal disruption to the majority. That's talking about the uh, the tax uh, to uh, protect problem gamblers. But the 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 main um, the main thrust of, of this is that something that wasn't mm -hmm. due to be tabled until uh, next year may well be tabled. What the, the um, parliamentary yeah. recess ends on April the 17th, and the white paper we hope will be published soon after that. Yeah, it's uh, the gift that's kept on giving. And uh, the interesting thing about this is that um, the horse racing industry does seem to have been given some sort of prominence uh, when this when this was leaked to the. To the sun, so uh, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what uh, what happens there. The BHA will certainly be be pleased if levy reform is on the agenda and a turnover-based model rather than a gross profits model is considered by the government. Though this government might be be running out of time itself, uh, and that rather ties in with the changes to the fixture list that were well. Bill Farnsworth yesterday on ITV expressed the strongest reservations about the BHA's intention to declutter. Saturdays um, at the behest of the betting industry, but also at the behest of uh, many people with a significant interest in increasing the competitiveness of the sport and to make the fixture list a bit more streamlined. Um, James touched on this earlier on um, in terms of decluttering Saturdays, and you said you wouldn't necessarily be in favour of it. No, I don't, I don't think I would be in favour of it. I think we, we have enough big festivals during the week as such. You know, you get to your York meetings and Ascots and Chester. I just think if you're taking away people's opportunity to go racing on a Saturday on their day off as, you know, as such and putting it to another day then are people going to go racing to that meeting I think you're going to, these smaller meetings will suffer f uh, through attendance and I just think that we have enough uh, you know, we, we need the betting industry of, of course we do, but we don't have to adhere to everything they want, um, they need to put a bit more back in before mm -hmm. we do that pers in my personal opinion I just think that you know, your Wolverhamptons on a Saturday night or your Musselburgh yesterday, it gives everyone in that area a chance to go racing, enjoy it with their family on the day off and j just enjoy racing. I think taking that away and making it elitist on a Saturday is probably the wrong thing for me. Uh, well, what about from a, from a kind of workforce point of view, from a staffing point of view, would you prefer to see racing spread more evenly through the week or um, do you take James's point? Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of with James a little bit. I don't think, yeah, I think for the workforce point of view, I, th I think it'd be fine. Yeah, it's interesting, this, isn't it, Dave? Because we, this has been the talk for the last few years that these big Saturdays, particularly in the summer, need to be spread out a bit. Stuff moved to Sunday evenings. Sunday's becoming a bigger deal. Yet, from what James and Warren are saying, from what Bill Farnsworth critically was saying yesterday, it seems that the industry is not on the same page. Well, twas ever thus. I mean, I think that the, an interesting thing with this is uh, Bill Farnsworth said that he, f he feared that the BHA were um, overestimating the positive impact that these changes would, ha would have on betting and underestimating the effects of, uh, of race goers being yeah. drawn into the sport and, and race ha racing having a, um, a, a positive benefit in that way. Um, it's clear that we know that with regard to reform of the fixture list that um, race courses principally are going to have to sh uh, swallow a, a bit of a pill, aren't they, in order that, that, that the 
a fixture list that, that has yeah. evolved to but, suit but them if, very well. But if at the first sign that this is actually going to happen, because the BHA have made an announcement this week saying that, yeah, OK, we're getting going with this now, at last, the first sign that you get a, a well-respected, fairly senior mm. race course director rearing up and saying, oh, hang on a minute, I'm not sure about this, it doesn't augur very well for the new harmony of the sport, James, does it? No, it doesn't at all. I think maybe, maybe more people sh should have been brought into it before the decision was made to go down that route. Um, I, I just I don't think it's right for, for where we're going, where we're trying to go. OK, let's talk about Dashiell Drasher, whose second placing at the Cheltenham Festival has been restored on appeal. Uh, were the appeal board right, Warren, to put him back to second, do you think? Um, I think even from the Jeremy Scott yard, I think they would have been surprised that they got it turned over. I think... I, I think you could see it. There was there was interference, wasn't there? I think they, I think they've got away with one there. Do you think they got lucky to um, get it back? I, I, I think nine times out of ten that wouldn't have been turned over, would it? I mean, I think the the question was, was there interference? And if the answer was yes, there was interference, then the rules say he had to be demoted. But they've said there wasn't interference coming to the final flight. Uh, yeah, there was, wasn't there? <laughs> I mean, definitely. You, you can't say that it didn't stop the third horse finishing second. Is there a bit of heart and head here, do you think? It was described, James, wasn't it, as a good for the soul of the sport, Dashiell Drasher keeping second, but a good soul of the sport is well-maintained rules, isn't well it? Well-maintained rules and sticking to what the, the stewards on the day inevitably believe happened. I, I was surprised it got turned around, to be honest with you. Um, for me, there was interference. but yep. Yeah. Oh, there was, there was interference. It, that you... It definitely stopped the, the third horse getting second, I think. Yeah, I agree. And Brian Atchison, the owner of Tupo, was um, pretty vocal, Dave. Yeah, he said the decision was absolute rubbish. Um, and I think broadly we're in agreement that it was the wrong decision. Um, what you've got here from a sort of procedural point of view I think is a bit strange because you've got um, decision, a decision made by race day stewards, professional stewards who's, who, who are employed... Uh, to make decisions like that and the appellate procedure isn't to find a defect in their thinking or or some other procedural error why, whereby it's turned over it's just merely do you agree with that or not panel in London who aren't professional stewards and they say no we don't and I think it's a bad decision and, and in a wider context as you say the thing about forget all this bull about you know Breathing in, being good for the soul and all that. The best way of uh, the soul of any activity is enhanced and protected by a fair and just application of the rules. And if they, if they go out the window and we're talking about soul and feel good and all that nonsense, then I'm afraid we're going down a pretty sticky path. And then we move to the All-Weather Championships, which have now concluded um, with some excellent racing on on Good Friday. I have been corrected. Uh, the Good Friday total attendance, I think, was 27,000, wasn't oh, okay. it, across the... Andy the, the Lodge venues. contacted us on Twitter to, he did. to okay. give us that. Yeah, But still... You. Still a good attendance. Still a good attendance, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. 27,000 across the three venues, and three not that prominent venues in Lingfield, Newcastle, and, and Bath as well. And Bath, there was massive prize money on as well. Um, James, the, the winners this year were... Danny Muscat, Billy Lochnan, Mick Appleby and Godolphin. Not really any surprises there. I just want to pick a couple of names 
particularly the jockeys, Muscat looks as though he can he can get into the top echelon this year. Daniel's a, he's an f- extremely good jockey and he, he's even a better professional. You know, the way he looks after himself and the way he trains and his health, is he, he's just a really, really professional jockey and he will, given the chance, he will take a step up. Mm-hmm. Um, he very nearly got a ride in the Melbourne Cup, if I'm not wrong, but the, the weights were so low yeah. for James Ferguson. Um, is it, he's just a, a jockey waiting to step up, like you know Richard Kingskill got his chance last year. It could be the year where Dan gets on one of them horses and goes to the next level. And it's not exactly uncommon for there to be a teenage riding sensation that everyone's talking about and is riding lots of winners, but I can't remember the last time there was... Th- Quite this much. No, I mean, Har- I mean Harry Davis. Harry Davies is an ex- extreme talent, and he sort of shot up quite quickly. This bo- the boy Billy Knight just really, really landed, hasn't he? He's, he seems to have it all. He, he, you know, he's, they ride. Win- it's, it's all right riding winners on a, on the old weather, but he's now he's gone to the turf and done it again. And I I often think running your claim out on the old all weather is not a great thing. But he got, he, you know, he went away for a little while. Now he's come back, and he's got still claim to on the turf. He's a special talent. And your your twin boys, Warren, Ed, and Tom, they've both done well as, as as young riders, and Ed in particular made a massive impression as a as an apprentice. Yeah. I mean, this guy. Have you been impressed with what you've seen? Well, everyone's been impressed with what they've seen. But what's he got? Do you think <clears throat> that others don't have? Just just looks extremely natural. Um, he's a very good talker. He just seems. He seems to have everyone around him that are mm. that are looking after him, and uh, seems to have a good head on his shoulders. But and horses run for him, and which is especially on the flat is the most important thing. He just look, he looks extremely good. His father's obviously a horseman, and he's brought him along nice and quietly and looked after him. I think that's that's probably a big part of it. How many rides do you reckon you had in your career? <laughs> well, do we have to go down that route? <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about talent. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I wanted to know. Um, how many rides it takes before you figure out, or before you think you know what you're doing? Uh, I hadn't had enough. <laughs> I didn't have enough. But I, I think it's like anything, isn't it? If you're if if you're good at it or talented, you 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 know within yourself if you are. And he looks a confident young man, but a really nice way about him. And he's yeah, I think he's going to do extremely well. I think it's a natural thing, isn't it? I remember when I was riding, I could I always look back and I, I could never read a race sat on a horse. I could read a race looking at it on the TV, but not on a horse, do the ride it and read the race at the time, and that's just something that's natural, I think. So he's got all the time in the world. Yeah. 203 rides, 40-odd winners, 43 winners at 21%. It's a good start. Yeah, I, I think what James said is, is particularly instructive, that he does seem to be able to read mm. races that, you know, that as those armchair jockeys among us... Um, we we define the really good jockeys, I think, by winning the races that that they shouldn't really win, mm-hmm. and also those who can put into action a plan B. If things from the st- your 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 preordained plan, if if something gets in the way of that, you're able to shuffle the pack and think, right, well, I'll do this instead. And Billy Lofnane seems to be able to do that. I interviewed him in the winter, and I have to say, you know. Um, I spoke to his father and, and we did the interview and he was uh, he, he was confident but a really likeable uh, young jockey with a, a very well de- developed um, self-critical mechanism and I think that in order to succeed in life and in sport that's what you need and he's certainly got that. Um, 
How many winners did you write in? I think I wrote about six. <laughs> My producer's saying five. Five. We'll give you another right. one. <laughs> we'll give. I'll take six. We'll give it. Oh yeah, six. <clears throat> Definitely six. Right, Jack Tudor. He's ridden more than six. He's only twenty. He's now stable jockey to David Pipe. Inspired, do you think, or a surprise? Um, it's uh, not so much of a surprise. You know, Jack is extremely talented. Um, he's ridden winners for me. Really nice lad. Christian has, you know, I'd say Christian, although he's probably sad to see him go, he should be extremely proud because he's, he's looked after him incredibly well. Um, you know, being 20, I think they're looking to the future. He's ridden big winners. Um, he's been bloodied, as it were. So, yeah, it, it wasn't a surprise to me. And actually, from, from within, you could see... He was starting to get on a few more, and it was always a matter of time. And is that something you think, if, as, a, as, a, as, a, as a trainer with ambition and with a, a growing stable, if you're looking for a new rider, should you always go for the young guy on the up so you build together? Yeah, and um, I suppose when you sign out, you need a bit of both, really, because you need a bit of experience to, to help you. I mean, obviously, in this case, David's not starting out. He's yeah, established. But, but I think, you know, youth... It can it can grow momentum if you're going together, and you're both wanting to see, and you're both hungry to do well. Um, but he's got a good guy. He had a bad fall yesterday. I yeah. haven't heard how he wa- how he was today. I spoke to Tom Skew early. He mm. said he was he was fine. Right. Okay. Good. That's good. good. Um, big shoes to fill, but exciting opportunity. Absolutely. Think of the um, stable jockeys at Pond House. If we include Martin pre David. Peter Scudamore, obviously, A.P. McCoy, Dunn Woody, Latterly, Tom Scudamore. Well, that's so, pretty much it, isn't it, in the yeah, last 40 David years? David Bridgewater, yeah. David Bridgewater. Yeah, David Bridgewater, yeah. Mm-hmm. But, um, very, you know, very big shoes to fill. Um, I think it's, it's fair to say that that job at Pond House isn't quite the kingmaker that it once was. Mm-hmm. If you rode for Martin Pipe, you became champion yeah. jockey, end of, most of the time. But, um, yeah, it's a great opportunity for a, a 20-year-old jockey of whom we'll hear an awful lot more in the, the coming winters. We will, Jack Tudor. Right, Davey Russell, he's set to bring the curtain down finally on his career, we think, on Galvin in the Randox Grand National. I'm glad he didn't finish at Cheltenham, Dave. Yeah, so am I. Um, I I'm really glad that Davey Russell's coming back for Aintree. Um, there was a, a, a jockey club media press release uh, on Wednesday that talked about um, uh, Gordon Elliott saying that the ride is, is Davies if he wants it. Um, I spoke to Davy in the afternoon and he said, you know, I've got to um, get past a few checks, but that's my intention. Um, you know, this is this is one of the supreme jump jockeys of our time. You know, you'd, you'd really, on the fingers of one hand, I don't think you would, you would name five more gifted uh, horseman than, than Davy Russell and uh, Cheltenham was not a happy experience for him, he came back in January, didn't ride a winner at the festival stood himself down from conflated in the Gold Cup I'm really glad that he gets another chance I think Galvin's a really good ride as well certainly if the if the ground were to to stay, if it were good to soft at Aintree on Saturday, I think he'd have a really good chance. What's Russell got? Or what's he had that other jockeys haven't? Do you think? I think first and foremost the love of horses you can just tell that this is a guy. You know, when he's not, when he's not race riding, he's with his kids, with ponies. He's selling horses he's with young stock. He is just your, t- your your number one horseman. I think he is probably, if he's not with his family, he's happiest on the back of a horse. And he right. just and I think when that 
is within you, you've got it. And you can, from the outside watching him, yeah, it's just, it's beautiful to watch, isn't it, really? Yeah, there aren't many people when you interview them, they're fairly late and some, sometimes a bit jaded stage of their career who just say something so simple but so, so, so meaningful when he says, I just love riding horses. Yeah. And it, um, it comes for everything he does. Good luck, Davey Russell. This week, those were this week's talking points.